1: All right, my chickens. I am so excited this week. I decided that I wanted to, basically, I just always want to hang out with my friend, Rachel. You hear me talk about her on the podcast all the time. She is my best friend that I stalked to be my best friend, my platonic soulmate, and also the only person that basically can effectively coach me without wanting to kill herself, other than Brooke Castillo. And so we are going to talk today. <laughs> We're going to basically just shoot the shit, but we have some, we we wanted want to be helpful to you. We have a format. We're actually going to each share three things that we learned from each other. I think I wanted to do this episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, I just like to hang out with Rachel. Number two, we have some real good back and forth. We could have like a traveling vaudeville podcast show, I feel like, like people would pay to watch us patter. But also because I think number one, it's so important to show that there's like plenty of coaching and success to go around and to support each other and that nobody has to be a silo and that you can learn. I think sometimes when we start to learn a new coaching technique or new to thought work, we get very rigid about like, what's the right answer? And I have to like do it the exact way. And I have to like follow this teacher exactly. And the truth is like, there's so many brilliant women thinking about these issues and creating important work and i just want to share some of rachel's brain with you. so we're going to each share three things we learned from each other and talk about them. so i think i'm going to let rachel say hello cuz so i don't just This
0: talk. is so much more formal than i expected. I thought we were going to talk about our love story and like <laughs> how it came to be. Okay,
1: let's talk about that. Tell everybody
0: how we came to be in love. Do you want to like introduce yourself or anything or no? Oh, sure. Fine. That's less interesting than how we fell in love with each other. Okay. Well, let's (laughs) tell everyone how we fell in love. People are going to be confused. Now people will think that I'm a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Platonic love Mm -hmm. soulmates forever. Hi, my name is Rachel Hart. (laughs) I also am a coach and I have a podcast called Take a Break from Drinking. Kara and I, the universe really conspired to bring us together for a very long time. I think that's an important piece to understand. <laughs> to our mythology. The, the, yeah. The, the universe was trying to bring us together well before we met five years ago at coach certification. Cara sat down next to me. I, of course, was the first person in the room because that's You're who I am. Tech. On day one, I was the first person in the room and then Cara sat down next to me and it's just been faded ever since. But we discovered we were both living in New York City. Then we just started discovering like really strange things. Like we shared the same doctor in New oh, York Oh, I forgot about that right? part. Remember when we discovered that? Yeah. I was like, wait, what? But also we worked at the same place? Yes, Cara interned, not just at the ACLU where I worked, Cara interned in my project the reproductive freedom project at the ACLU when I was working there. I just refused to be kind to her because I did not like any of the law students because I I didn't go to law school. And so I was just very standoffish. But so we were we spent a summer together. Did we meet though? I don't remember I I remember I remember being introduced to you. Really? Like introduced to the three interns. And I was like ugh Ugh. I'm going back to my cubicle. And I'm then, still such good friends with one of the other interns too. That really was a formative. Oh, song. really? Yeah. My friend, Brooke Kelly. Oh, Brooke too? Yeah. I don't even know. All right. And then my older sister, who actually I bring her up because this is something that I, we will talk about today. Something that Kara coached me on, which was a very good lesson. But my older sister had a legal fellowship at the Center for Reproductive Rights that Cara took over. Yeah, I took and- over her office. There was a picture of her and her running shoes in the desk when I moved into that office. Yeah, it was just a lot of conspiring to bring us true, together. We but then to the, the car still did have to stalk me. It's I true. I have to stalk you. Is that going to be one of your lessons? It's one of mine. I was, you know, it's so funny because I have a bunch of lessons here. All right. Well, I thought we Maybe. should trade off. Like, well, I'll do one, you do one back and forth. But since you have a bunch, you start. Oh, geez, start. Okay, well, I'm going to start since I did bring up my sister. I think this is one of our earliest and funniest coaching moments. (laughs) I totally know where this is. You know what this is. So Cara and I were driving back from DC. Where were we? We were in New Jersey. I really remember very. Where were we driving? We were driving back from a writing workshop that we did together. Oh, in DC. Yeah. Okay. So we were driving back from writing workshop. We were still very newbie coaches. And Cara... When we get together, we just coach each other all the time, very aggressively. (laughs) That's just how it works. And you were- We call that conversation. It's just, that's just how we talk. (laughs) And you were coaching me and my sister. I have an older sister. She's amazing. She's very smart. I also have had a story for a very long time, which I did not realize was a story at this point that everyone likes my sister better than me. That She's more personable more friendly, just people like her better. And so Kara was, as she does, kind of surgically dismantling <laughs> my logic. I kept bringing up so many instances. They, it was both a combination of people like her better and she steals my friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was a combination of the two. So I kept bringing up just like instance after instance after instance. And Kara was just, it was like I was the solicitor general in, <laughs> in front of the Supreme Court. That's how I remember it. She was also driving on the highways in New Jersey, but that's how I remember it. Like just trying to keep up with, she was just, just dismantling my logic. And I was so mad. This was not a, this was not a peaceful coaching session. I was so <laughs> mad. And at one point she had finally kind of like dismantled the last piece of my logic that everyone liked my sister better. <laughs> And I just out of nowhere, like out of the depths of my soul, yelled out, What about Guinevere? <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I can't not laugh. But they probably didn't even hear you. Okay, try again. I'll mute myself so my laughing
0: doesn't get. <laughs> I yelled out, What about Guinevere? So loud. <laughs> it was a really, it was a very pained moment for me. And Car, I remember you just driving and looking at me, be like, who is Gwen
1: here? <laughs> what? it was a
0: super on? weird
1: kid. So like the possibility that we were talking about King Arthur's wife did not seem <laughs> totally out of the question. Like there might be some kind of reenactment thing, or I was like, it could be. <laughs>
0: I just want you to know that I'm laughing so hard that I'm waving my yeah, hand. Yeah, this in front is something Rachel face. does when she laughs really hard. And that's one of my, my things. Guinevere was our family cat. <laughs> and I think we got her when I was four or five. And immediately it was just like, oh, the cat likes my sister more than me. And that, it was just such an amazing moment to like, in that moment, I was so angry because I still had a lot of. I had a lot of emotions about the fact that I believe that the cat loved my sister more. a goddamn cat. But it was just, it was such a funny moment of like seeing your own story and seeing how, like my little like four-year-old, five-year-old brain had just formed this story that living things like my older sister better and then was just so committed to applying it again and again and again. I think we came very close to getting to, into a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what can't be translated now as we laugh about it is how extremely serious you
1: were about it at the time. Like, you didn't yell, what about Guinevere laughing the way we do now? No. It no. was, like, an aggressive, like, I have incontrovertible proof. What about Guinevere? As if, like, you were a detective who had just found the murder suspect. Like, <laughs> Guinevere has the DNA. Like it And it was, was so... painful. Yeah. But I it think was... that's such a good, like, lesson, actually, that we both learn from each other all the time, which is, like, and I think our students both really need to hear it, which is like, it does not matter how good you are at this or how smart you are or how much you coach yourself. When you are in it, you're a fucking moron, just like anybody else. Right. <laughs> like when you're in it, you just are like, excuse me, the cat is proof of this.
0: Like, why are you laughing? Like, yeah. And it, and it was so painful. Right. Cause when right. I was in it, like it was like all of you were the crying. Yeah. Yeah. It was like all the emotion. It yeah, was, So yeah. like
1: when you're in it, you're in it and it, You know, I think there's like this human tendency to put teachers up on pedestals because we think the goal is to never have to have human emotions again. So then if we see somebody who seems to know something about managing their mind, we're like, I bet she never feels sad or bad or whatever. Mm. it's like, no, no, just crying in a car on the New Jersey turnpike about a cat named Guinevere who's been dead for 20 years and like (laughs) feeling it very acutely. And every time I'm crazy, I'm also like, I don't understand why you're laughing about this. This is a very serious
0: problem we yeah, have is with not my funny. very serious thoughts that are true. Yeah. So it's like all someone needs to do is look at our text chain. To see that.
1: <laughs> our text chains are basically us altering, being like, we have the most amazing lives. Can you believe that this is our reality? And then being like, I hate everything and everyone and all my thoughts are true. <laughs> yes. Basically. That sums like, it up. Life is 50-50. Like, that's it. That's basically
0: <laughs> the deal. Yeah. Also, I'll just add on that. It was just, I think it's really powerful to see that your brain is always going to go back to the story. It's always going to go back to what you practice unless you're doing this work, unless you're learning how to manage your mind. And sometimes I don't even like say like to say manage. I think unless you're learning how to kind of observe yourself and observe the stories that you tell to yourself and question them. And that was so powerful for me, but it was, we almost lost our lives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. but one of your lives on in our memories now. She I'm sure does. we think about her now more than we ever would have before. I mean, I now, now her fame will spread far and wide. So I'm sure that in the afterlife she likes you better because now you've just made Oh, I made famous. her
0: famous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's right.
1: <laughs> she likes me better in the afterlife. <laughs> All right. So my first thing that I think I learned from you, and so Rachel is um, – what's the best way to say this? Oh, dear. <laughs> I like, what's coming up? It's like, Rachel is very, very into, she's like a, like a, like a modern dancer who's doing like interesting interpretive embodiment work all the time. But Rachel is very focused on feelings and which I think makes so much sense also with your niche. Like you, you work so much on like helping people allow their emotions for people who don't know how to do that. And I, so I just, I think that like the first three years of our friendship, any time I got coached was just you being like, but have you tried having the feeling? And me being like, no, I don't need to. Or I already have. And her being like, I don't think so. What if you just had the feeling? Like, that was literally, I think that's all we did for three years is me be like, and you'd be like, how about you just have the feeling though? And I'd be like, no. So eventually she wore me down because I couldn't get any other coaching out of her other than to have the feelings. But I really do, you know, I think that like you are so Rachel I feel like I don't know whether to talk in the, in the second or third or first person but one of the things that I have learned from you is to really focus on that embodiment part on that physical part even though I don't do your crazy mat dances that you that you do Rachel does all of these amazing embodiment practices that I just never get my shit together to do but I do think that like that has been a really powerful balancing to my kind of coaching which tends to be very like analytical and logic based not that yours isn't also but so that that sort of like being willing. I mean, I just remember you coaching me about, I was like in my kitchen and I don't know, something about dating, maybe it was a breakup. We were just like, what if you were just willing to feel how off it's going to feel? And like, it's not like a head, you know, it's like you hear something, I'm sure you had said, what if you were willing to feel that 10 million times to me before, but for whatever reason, like it was that finally click. And I feel like I use that all the time still of just like even when you're at our quote unquote level and I'm now pretty comfortable with my emotions, I still catch myself like having a negative emotion and not wanting to have it. And like you do too. And so do our teachers and all the way back. And it's still such a powerful flip to be like, oh, what if I was just willing to feel this? And I think one of the big things that people don't understand when they're not willing to feel negative emotion, I'm curious what you think about this, is that They don't understand that 80% of their suffering is the resistance to it, not the actual emotion underneath. It's like, so what they imagine they'll have to feel is the terribleness of the resistance. But actually, when you remove
0: that part, the actual emotion you feel is not nearly as intense usually. Yeah. I mean, 100%, I agree with that. Two things. It was so interesting. I was coaching someone yesterday, and I do a lot more kind of drop into your body and really kind of observe the feeling. And it was so funny. Like we watched her process an emotion Mm -hmm. just like on her own, but she wasn't, she was just watching what her body was doing. She wasn't even like trying to get it to process. And I think that that's what we forget that you're, I don't think the body wants to stay stuck. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. meant to stay stuck, but like when we have all this resistance to it, then you get stuck and you start to teach your brain that like, oh, I can't feel these emotions or this emotion is a problem. This emotion is an emergency. This I have to drink over, eat over, distract myself or organize or, you know, work long hours. And like that piece to me, just the ability to really start to, it's like be in relationship mm-hmm. with your emotions. I will say though, I think that because it, this didn't come easily to me. I think that when you learn thought work for the first time, like when I really understood, oh my God, shifting my thinking can change how I feel. Mm-hmm. And because I think both of us are very verbal in mm-hmm. that sense of, we're like, oh, okay. Like, you just want me to like write a new thought? Like I can write a million new thoughts. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And so it's easy to kind of fall into that trap, you know, yeah. and to start just be like, okay, but like, just give me the new thought, give me the new mm-hmm. thought. And that to me is like when you start to take your coaching to the next level, when you're like, yes, okay, changing my perspective, changing how I understand the situation, it can be really helpful, but I'm never going to be able to shift my thoughts so much that I don't have to have the full human experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Yeah. And I think you can't, if you find you can't shift a thought, it's often because
1: you're not willing to feel the emotion. Yeah. Right. You're like, you're stuck and you can't get through. I yeah. think it's, it's been really interesting for me working with one of my four, well, current students who's also a trainer. And who knows a lot about kind of evolutionary biology and neurobiology and stuff. But, like, when you watch animals, they have, like, physical things they do to reset, basically. So, like, mm-hmm. if an animal is, like, scared and running, when it gets to a safe place, it'll, like, turn its head left to right and, like, shake its body. It, like, yeah. It like completes what they call the, like, the stress response. And I think there's so much that gets stuck because we don't, you know, we've gotten our bot, we've like conformed our bodies to society in these ways of like, well, I have to like sit at the desk and keep making this face even when I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. And so like that kind of getting into the body, I think is so, it took, yeah, it took me a while to appreciate that part of it. And
0: just like, we don't allow our bodies to move. Yeah. We don't, we're like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like do that or move that way or. <laughs> She's doing a little shoulder shimmy. That I'm you doing can't a little see. shoulder shimmy. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's really important. I, it's with physical sensations too. I can't even tell you the number of people that I coach <laughs> that we just have conversations about. Like, Do you actually allow yourself to go to the bathroom?
1: Oh yeah, feel? totally. You, I always think about that Susan Hyatt story about her client who's peeing in a Tupperware in her office. I'm just like, it's not okay. We have yeah. We have got to change this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My next one. I have so many. I think this is from giving birth. Mm. So I had a two-year-old two years ago, I guess. <laughs> I think that is how that works. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I had a two-year-old two years ago. <laughs> the whole time-space continuum. I know. It's like everything really, before 2020 took 10 seconds and 2020 has been seconds. I know. It's long. like then, t- yeah. So there are a couple of things we can talk about with this. But one of the the kind of most vivid coaching memories I have is I actually texted you from the labor and delivery room Mm -hmm. in the hospital. So I went into labor, my water broke on a Wednesday night and I was kind of 24 hours into the process and not really making progress, like hadn't dilated, even though I was experiencing a fair amount of pain and contractions. And so I think at like hour 26, I made the decision to get an epidural and I wasn't kind of Morally opposed to the idea. I wasn't like, oh, I definitely want to have, you know, like no medication with my birth experience. But I think I was more like, well, if I was going to get an epidural, why on earth did I just go through 26 Mm -hmm. hours of this ridiculousness? And for whatever reason, that was so, I just felt, I remember feeling so defeated and so, I was despondent. That's actually what I was. I was despondent. I was like, well, why did we do this? And I remember texting you, I remember texting you and we went back and forth and I was, <laughs> it was so funny. It was such a crazy experience. You're the only person outside of that room that I talked to. And I was just like, what the, what the, what Cara, come on, what's the point? And I remember you texted me back and you said, well, just what if you don't need to know the point right now? Like, what if you don't need to understand why? it happened or what it means or like, what if you don't have to assign meaning to it? What if it can just be this thing that you don't have to know in the moment? And for whatever reason, it just gave me such relief because I think I was trying to do exactly what we just talked about. Like I was feeling very despondent and I was trying to kind of think my way out of it by being like, okay, so like, what's the point? Like, what's the meaning? Why?" You were like trying to reframe it, but then you couldn't get there. And then it was like, so the only alternative is there was no point exactly and it and just like you giving me permission to be like well what if you just don't know what the point is yet like what if it's not for you to find out right now right in the middle of your labor process like it really that was like enough for me to be like oh i can just i think it is like stop resisting yeah because that's what i was doing i was really resisting feeling so despondent about it
1: i think that's so key because i will say that like i think when i first started coaching i had this feeling of Like when you first start and you're obsessed with this, you're like so curious if you are, you know, so then like, I was like, what other terrible thing can I go through that I will then be able to coach myself? You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to learn something from this no matter what. Like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with my family. That makes me crazy before I knew about thought work, but I'm going to like learn something from it. And then I, I definitely like in the last year, I think have noticed, I think you coached me on this. I think I also got somebody else coached me on this, but it's sort of a similar thing where, it was like, I was having like so much resistance to negative emotion. And I was basically telling myself that like, I wasn't going to learn anything from it. It was like, I've already been through this. Like I already know what this feels like. I already know the lesson. So there's like no point to it. But of course that wasn't true, right? There's always a different lesson to learn. But I do think that's sort of like, I don't have to know what the meaning is now. I can just experience this and like... I'll find out later, like, why I'm going through this or what the meaning of this experience is can be so helpful when you're, like, in something. Like, sometimes I do think we're, like, hustling so hard to reframe or find the positive thought. And, like, we think the only alternative is to, like, stick with our negative, terrible thought. And, like, what if you can just be in the that place of, like, I don't know. I'll find out eventually. Or, like, yeah. I'll see the meaning later. Yeah. It's all just we're th- making I up think, the meaning anyway.
0: I think that's a really important point, though, because I actually – think what you said is so true, this idea that like at first with thought work, like you start whatever it is, hanging out with your family or doing things that you normally would have avoided. And it it feels as if it's like a, this very curious, exciting thing to do and you're going to learn something from it. So it feels like, oh, I'm putting myself in this position, in this situation. There's a point for it. I mean, I certainly... Like that was something for me around changing my relationship with alcohol that was kind of like, oh, I'm going to put myself in this situation that I would normally avoid. I would normally be like, well, if I'm not going to drink, I'm just going to stay home. But because there was something for me to discover and understand. And again, it's one of those things where that is a really useful tool. And then I think this is really important. All the tools are really useful. And sometimes you use the tools against yourself. Totally. And there always has to be a meaning, always has to be like, what am I discovering here? Right. And the
1: meaning, yourself. we make up the meaning anyway. So yeah. we can decide the meaning is that I learned to go through something without making up meaning. <laughs> like we always right, get to decide.
0: Yeah. Um, i just add, I just want to add this piece just because I think it's a indication of what a good friend you are. Cara did also, so she, I live in San Francisco now. She also flew out after the baby was born and then, I mean, she always stays in Airbnbs, let's be honest, almost always rather than hotels. That's your preferred style of living. But um, like made a meal, like a home-cooked meal in her Airbnb and then brought it to me and then fed me. I remember you taking the baby, like taking him from me, but it was just like, that was some good. I stole her baby is what she's saying.
1: <laughs> I was like, listen, I made you a lasagna, but I'm taking your baby. This is like an old fairy tale. <laughs> I think it was brisket. I think it was something brisket. It did. It like I, brisket. I braised you a brisket, I think. You braised yeah, me a brisket. That's right. Yeah. Listen, this yeah. is how Jews roll. You have a baby. Somebody has to bring you a brisket. That's just-
0: I didn't know. Now you I know. know. I'm on
1: board. <laughs> <laughs> I know. None of my friends in California are allowed to have babies so after the pandemic because I can't come out there and make them briskets. Agreed. I guess I could ship a brisket. So here's what I learned about you. Not about you. Here's what I learned from you is that, or from my, our friendship is that I can be more excited about someone else making a million dollars than I am about myself making a million dollars. Which is, I was 100% more excited about you making a million dollars than about me making a million dollars. It yeah, is true. It's true. I really was. I was excited when I did it, but when you did it, I was like – there should be fireworks and like confetti. <laughs> and so I, but I think that that's a test, like, I don't know why this one just really stood out to me. Cause I'm not even, I'm actually not even totally sure what the meaning is. But when I was thinking about like, I think that before coaching, like, I think one of the things that's really special about our friendship and that special for any friendship where both people are doing thought work and can be honest about it, is that like we don't have to hide any of our insecurity about each other and the ways that we try to use each other to be mean to ourselves. It's just like Mm -hmm. all in and part of the friendship and we talk about it all the time. Yep. Right? Like, and however silly or important it is, like it came up when we were, when we were going to record this podcast, right? It's like we can both just be like, hi, my brain says now you love this other person more than me and it makes me sad, right? And then we can just (laughs) deal with that. And I think it's such an interesting, you know, they say that in in romantic soulmates, like in romantic relationships, you often really bond with people who like push your buttons. And I think that we both like pushed each others in that way where like my biggest struggle has always been around relationships and dating work. Like that's the part my brain has the most trouble with. And you were, like, in a great relationship and have a great marriage. And then your brain has the most trouble with, like, success and believing you're smart enough. And then, like, mm-hmm. I went to Yale and Harvard and I made a million dollars first, even though we were peers, right? And so, like, we trigger each other in these ways, but that are so – as in any relationship, like, is actually such an invitation to do good work and to, like, yeah. see, like, where we are. And I think, like, I was so excited. I feel, I feel like if I ever get married, you're going to be like, I'm more excited about your wedding than my wedding. <laughs> right like because it's like when you really love someone and you're all in on the relationship and you don't you're not pretending that you don't have human emotions but you've like been able to be totally transparent and honest about them you're like so excited when they work through something right that like was holding them back or like a place that they were having trouble like it felt more like I feel like a parent must feel when like not because I feel parental towards you but just something where like I was like this is something you've been working on for so long. And like, I know how much work went into it. And I'm so proud and excited for you. And like, you know, you were having the human experience of being like, wait, what? Like (laughs) like all the weird emotions you have when you do hit a milestone
0: in your life. Oh, and there were a lot of weird emotions. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you were not
1: like riding high. You were like, (laughs) but I was totally, it was great for me. I really enjoyed when you made a million dollars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I was not riding high. I was... I think I had like a like a good three weeks of crying. Yeah. You were like, this is terrible. And actually, when I was, I think back about it with my last
1: serious partner when I was like falling in love in the beginning and you were like all happy for me. You're like, this is amazing. I was like, oh, I want to die. This feels horrible. Like, it's also just such an example that like getting what you want usually feels terrible, but at least you can be happy for your friends when they do. It's
0: true. Yeah. I mean, I think – I haven't really thought about that before, but I do think that there is something to the fact that, like, we can just bring everything to the table Mm -hmm. because definitely part of why I think you had – I mean, I think there were a lot of reasons why you had to stalk me at first Mm -hmm. in our friendship, but I think part of it was because I was very, like, ugh, okay, Ivy League, like (laughs) – <laughs> like my brain just wanted to use you as like right. like every like don't every you dare be a human. I'm using you to beat up on myself. You can't exactly. also be a. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I went to Wellesley, <laughs> you went to Harvard, right? <laughs> like so ridiculous. But I think that that was a. I mean, that was actually I think a, a like personally kind of like a turning moment was to really like be willing to do the work so that I wasn't constantly using you mm-hmm. against myself and also could you know be excited for the things that you accomplish and not like well of course you did it first. Right. Of course. <laughs> the excitement thing is a big thing though for me. That is something that that I have gotten a lot of coaching from you on. And I will say, I mean you knew that I was going to bring up the little blue heron. Oh I yeah the little blue heron. That's going to be the name of our, our compound farm we're going to have. A hundred percent. Cara sometimes gets confused and calls it a great blue heron. Yeah. I'm Not sorry, y'all. It's a little blue heron. It's pretty awesome. It's a little blue heron. I think allowing myself to like go to a place of real excitement for myself is just something that I've kind of capped and mm-hmm. I'm used to capping. That was kind of just like a, I think of it like a, I don't know, like a practice. It's like, I was like working out a muscle of like, don't get too excited. That's not really. But so anyway, the little blue heron is, it's come up several times. It, <laughs> it came up, Cara and I were doing horse coaching together, which P.S. So fun. You're little- not coaching the horses. I feel like people
1: don't know <laughs> what we mean when we say horse coaching and they're like, <laughs> what do you coach horses on how to be better horses? No, the horses coach you, which actually sounds even crazier.
0: Yeah, but not really crazy if you have any experience with with horses. With horses. And that's, that's the last true. time we saw each other was a stupid pandemic. We were doing- That was we our doing, second horse coaching. That was our second horse coaching in Arizona. Anyway, we were doing this for the first time. We were in Georgia? Were we in Georgia? Yeah, we were in Savannah. We were in Savannah. And we were doing this and we were on a, a lunch break. And there was a bird that I had never seen before- in my life that was just stunning. I mean, stunning in how blue and purple it was. It was in the middle of, it was like kind of like on the shallows of a lake. And I, I mean, I think I kind of legit lost my mind. <laughs> and I remember you being like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a nice bird. And I was just like. <laughs> It's amazing what, our relationship survived, my lack of excitement. I know. I had to like heron. stop and look it up on my phone and identify it. I discovered it was something called a little blue heron, which I didn't even know existed. It had kind of blue and purpley plumage. It was just unbelievable looking. And I was just rightfully so, if any of you have seen this bird before, just so, I, like, I couldn't contain myself. I couldn't, we went back to the lunch table. I remember mm-hmm. I got like <laughs> other people to look at it and nobody wanted to keep talking about it except for me. But all of that said, I was just having so much excitement. (laughs) And I think maybe a day earlier, I had told you that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And you, I think uh, maybe later on in the day pointed out that I may be allowing myself to feel more excitement about (laughs) a little blue heron (laughs) than I was about my own pregnancy, which was something that, you know, I had been working at for some time. And yeah, I was just very. I in that moment, I was really like, God, she just doesn't get it. It's like <laughs> she doesn't
1: get why it. the heron is more exciting than having. Yeah, you I,
0: I really <laughs> felt like I was like, I don't know, maybe I just have these kind of special technicolor glasses in which I see oh, the really? world, and Kara doesn't see. I don't know, but that happened years ago, and then it came up again recently. I was really fighting for. I was really like, No, I am excited. I am excited, and. <laughs> And Kara brought up, she mistakenly called it the great blue heron. And I, in that moment, was like, oh my God, you're so wrong. It's a little blue heron. And let me tell you how excited, <laughs> like how amazing this bird is. And I just like for the initial instance had happened years ago, but in that moment, I w- I really was like, oh she is right when, when she's saying (laughs) that you're not excited about this thing. Cause I could feel in my body how it just like thinking, just imagining, I wasn't even seeing the bird and I was so animated and so excited and trying to convince everyone about like how special and unique this bird was. And I think that that sometimes, especially because of the work that we teach about really learning how to uh, not just like identify what you're feeling, which is so hard we're so used to just saying, "I don't know," "I feel terrible," "I feel ugh," "I feel fat," "I feel ugly." <laughs> right. So we're not used to identifying emotions, but then I think sometimes we convince ourselves that we're experiencing mm-hmm. positive emotions when we're really not. Like I, really, well, we just say the words, and we're like, "Well, I yeah, said I'm excited, so I guess you know, I I'm am excited." Like I, I'm excited. I don't know why I sound very to, excited. Right? I don't know why you need to prove. like why do I have to prove to you that I'm excited? Yeah, Sarah? I'm excited. But I just like I didn't have that reference point. And I think that that, like that's part of what this work gives you is that like it starts you start to get reference points. And now it's like, mm-hmm. oh, right. Remember what you're like when you see a little blue heron? That's no, also just such a good example of how, like we get delighted
1: about, like if we were all as delighted about ourselves, as you are about that little blue heron, mm-hmm. like imagine how different everything would be.
0: I know. I, I told you that I've been writing love letters to myself. That was kind of like my gift to myself on my 40th birthday, which just happened I like it. that I've been writing a love letter to myself every morning or in the evening. And it really is just like, you start to see how, like, I've, I feel like even in the short time that I've been doing it, it's like, oh yeah, you can be like really excited about yourself.
1: Well, after our last mastermind, Rachel and I started, we text each other with a brag every day, which I highly Mm -hmm. recommend all of you do. She just has to brag about everything. And I have to brag about how I'm brilliant. I have a very specific assignment, but I feel like everybody should just like find a friend and send them a texting brag every day. Yeah. So this actually leads to the third thing that I feel like I've learned from you, which is, (laughs) is kind of a funny one. But so when I met Rachel, she was like, living in this apartment in Greenpoint where she had like meticulously hand restored the like fire covers. I don't even know what they're called. Like she had like fireplaces, fireplaces. She, she like a, like she could have had a second career in vintage, like furniture repair and reupholstery and finishings. Like, so she had like hand restored this apartment as if she was a contractor specializing in antique restorations. She had like all of these like eclectic, Collections of like radio ham cards, and like she was making her own makeup out of berries from scratch.
0: <laughs> she was. <laughs> Listen, I, was- <laughs> I had also been single for a long time. <laughs> <You know. laughs> this was before she got fancy. So she was-, was
1: fancy in some ways. And I didn't have children. And <laughs> She didn't have children. She had a lot of spare time, but she was she was doing. She had like art up on the wall that she had made. She did these art projects. She had this like whole morning routine involving E.B. White for several years. That I don't know if that's still happening.
0: But so I love she just E.B. White. <laughs>
1: She had a whole. I think she had a secret E.B. White Twitter account. Oh, I do. She had all of these like very kind of. Basically, she was doing all of the things that I always told myself. Like if I just did all those things, and I would just be like happy and perfect, right? Like if I just like. I mean, I didn't have that whole makeup at of berries thing. That was like a next level little house in the prairie situation. But like all like if I had like this like morning routine like there's so much weird fetishization of morning routine in the self help world. Like if I had this like perfect morning routine and if I like, you know, if my hair looked perfect like that and if I did art and I like journal, she did so much journaling. If I journaled so much, like if I you guys can't see what she's making. Her eyes are very wide right now. She's like so much journaling.
0: I feel like the lesson here is that you were like, and then I saw she was just, she was so
1: Yeah, but crazy. it was like such a gift. It set me so free. I was like, she's still a normal human. Like these are all the things that I told myself, like if I just did all of these, then I would like, that would be like proof that I was good enough and worthy enough. And then I would just feel amazing all the time. And you were like actually just still a human.
0: Yeah. And that I was like felt the, very amazing in the morning, but then I had to like deal with the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the true sign of being a hermit, is you're
0: like, those hours when no one else can speak to me are really quite lovely. But then then I, yeah, then, I ha- and then I have to like engage with the world. Yeah, that's I really I miss that apartment. That <laughs> that's was a great apartment. Yeah. I think I mean the the reverse is kind of true, right? That I'm just like, well, you know, if I had gone to law school. If oh I god, remember had... that master coach training session where you were
1: Oh my was, god. It was similar to the Guinevere scream. There was oh like at god. the end, Rachel's <laughs> getting coached. We went through master coach training together too, because obviously we have to do everything together. Together, always. We like can't be in a mastermind without each other. And then but she was getting coached on something and she was like very agitated and upset about it. At the end, she just yelled, Well, then I
0: would have been on the Supreme Court. Yeah. It was just like, well, then what about Guinevere? Like that. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was, I think it was that I was like forced to, like, I I had this like hang up, like, well, I should have gone to law school and I never. It was, was about like, drinking in Wellesley. It was
1: like, I wasted my time in college. Oh, if I was had wasted was? my time in college, then I would have gone to law school and then I would be on the Supreme court. Oh my God. Which like your job right now is so much better. Are you kidding? You do not get to
0: work from home on the Supreme court. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Also like best education I ever got. Drinking so much at Wellesley. Right. Let's be honest. Seriously. Let's be honest. I just didn't know that I was – the education that I was getting. Yeah. I think it was like this belief of like, oh, then then, like I wouldn't – like then I would feel fulfilled. Then I would feel complete. Then I would feel smart. Right. And it was just like – or you just like would take your brain to all of those places.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like – and it's also just a – I think sometimes we just look at whatever where we have a gap. Like, I don't particularly worry about not being smart enough, but then I have all this other shit that I worry about that you don't worry about, right? It's like we look at somebody and we're like, oh, well, like if I had gone to Harvard, then I wouldn't have to worry about being smart. And since that's my main worry, then everything would be great. But it's like, well, yeah. no, you would just have some other insane yeah. thing
0: that you'd be worrying about, right? Yeah. But also, I mean, it is like how, I mean, I really feel like this is like the one thing that I coach on so much. is just like the constant moving of the goalpost, right? Because. Totally. Wellesley was my dream college. I only looked at women's colleges. Like I was a hundred percent set on like, no, I like am desperate to be in an environment where there's only women. I applied early decision. I got in, right. I remember my parents being like, do you think you should apply to some other (laughs) schools? I was like, no, what are you talking about? And then, and then I was just like, oh, if I, if only I could do that. And then of course I did that. And then I was like, maybe I should have gone to a different school. Right. <laughs> I don't feel amazing. What's happening it's not, here? It wasn't smart. Right. It like didn't really prove my smarts because it's not ranked high enough. Like it's just like, we just move it all yeah, the time. Yeah. All the time. It actually
1: reminds me of the pregnancy thing because you mentioned like you had really worked on that. It wasn't just like, okay, I want to get knocked up. And then next week I no, did. It, it was took, like, yeah, it was this whole project months. and you took it like very seriously. And there were like acupuncturists and blah, blah, blah. You were like doing all the things to get there. But this is why we're both, I'm sure, always teaching. Like you have to enjoy the journey because yeah. the destination's not going to feel amazing if the journey doesn't. So like you got there and you were just like, okay, well now I'm pregnant. I feel about as excited as I did about trying to get pregnant, which is not very excited. Right, <laughs> it's like the same. Yeah, and it was like making a million dollars. Right, and same thing. And yeah. I've ha- I was excited about a million, but my I think my versions of that are more like again relationship stuff where I'm like. Oh this doesn't solve all of my right it's like we all have the thing that we're like if i just have that thing yeah. when i get there i'm going to hate my way there but when i get there it's going to be amazing that's not Yeah how i was
0: i definitely it was so funny with a million dollars because i was definitely like okay i know that circumstances are neutral and that it's your thoughts that create your feelings but you know as around like all of these women who were seven figures like multiple millions and i was kind of like i listened to what they would say that it like doesn't make you happy. And I was like, okay, wink, wink, right? <laughs> like, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I was like, I know we got to say to that.
0: People, right. It's just a- <laughs> <laughs> like, I know we're supposed to say that, but like, come on. And I think that's why I cried for three weeks afterwards because right? I really, like it was, it was something for me that I had really held onto of like, no, then I'm going to feel like I've really made it. Then I'm going to, like, I can, going to be able to kind of relax in my business and- and sure enough, I was not able to. No, right? I think I you had like, that experience. Oh, that me.
1: It's like people have that like depression dip after they get married, right? After yeah. the wedding, because like in their mind, it's been like on the other side of that night. I mean, it's so crazy when you think about it, right? That like, you're going to say some stand up and say some words to somebody you already know and mostly even live with in front of a bunch of people. And then the next day, your whole brain is going to be different and everything yeah. <laughs> will feel amazing. And then they get depressed when they find out that's not true. I feel yeah. like that's what you went through too.
0: Yeah, and that's so interesting for me, right? Because I feel like, with marriage, right? I was always like, I'm never getting married. Right. And so I didn't have like that same kind of story around it, but like,
1: and that's why it wasn't that difficult for you to get married either. Cause you were not attached to it. As yeah. being an arbiter of meaning or worth for you, I was
0: like, I did not think this would happen because I had this amazing apartment in Greenpoint. I don't know if I would yeah, actually. It lit. had very well restored fireplaces. Yeah, I was really. I was like, I'm here. This is it. This is the apartment yeah. I rented. I didn't even own. And I was like, May I please be allowed to restore all of these things? For free? <laughs> Thank you, because I will be. This is the apartment. I will be here in New York City for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. It's so funny because I remember my bookkeeper being so excited for me when we, the month we knew, like, you're really going to hit a yeah. million dollars this month. And she, she was giving me updates all the time. And it was just like dread. Mm. Like, I remember you being so excited. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> it's coming. I'm going to die. Exactly. This terrible milestone is coming. But I think that's such a
1: perfect example. Like, getting married, because you weren't hung up on getting married, it was easy for that to happen. Right. And because I wasn't hung up on making the money, which doesn't mean that we don't have anything. It's like, sure, you had some relationship insecurity. Sure, I had some money stuff to work through. I do think there's a difference. I don't know if it's, I don't know if we like need a word for it, but there's like areas of your life where you just have like the normal level brain shit to go through, right? (laughs) And then there's like the area that is like your, it's like you're a white whale. It's like the thing that is like the area you have to work on so much longer, and like the pattern seems so much more persistent, and it's like. Right. And I feel like it's like for me, that one is dating and relationships and love. And for you, that one is like money and success and enjoyment of it. And like, yeah, do feel like it's like, it does feel like it's a different level. It doesn't mean that I totally had like had nervous breakdowns about building my business and making money. It yeah. doesn't mean it's just like smooth sailing. Yeah. And you yeah. had stuff in your old relationship and with Tim. Of but it's just, it does feel like there's a different quality to it. It is more like pri- not primal, like it's natural or biological, but maybe just like, early. Like there's just, it's just like so much, it feels that groove is so much deeper or like, it's just, I don't know. It's almost like when I think, when I think about different theories of reincarnation, it's like, oh, that's the, I don't really believe in reincarnation necessarily, but it is sort of how that feeling of like, oh, that's the problem I came back to solve this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this is like a theme of my life that I need to learn how to solve versus like yeah. the day-to-day thought work that comes up of just having a human brain and
0: yeah going through things. Yeah. Mine is just like freeing my family tree from believing that money is evil. Yeah. I don't know how we did this whole thing and not talk about all my Puritan. Oh, I know. All right, we got to talk about them now because I feel like that time that you were like, if you,
1: when you put money in the bank, it belongs to the government was also a pretty big... (laughs) That's why you guys have to get a best friend that's raised totally differently from you because like it gives us that I actually think it's one of the reasons we're so good at coaching each other is we don't share any I mean we share being like feminist New Yorkers so that there is that overlap but like our childhood like I grew up this like Jewish New York fan you grew up like such a Puritan repressed family and so I just feel like we're like we're able to see each other's crazy and be like I'm sorry what now? (laughs) (laughs) Can
0: you say that again? What happens? I was like, I just don't really feel like it's my money. Right. You were like, it's not my money money because I put it in the
1: bank. And I was like,
0: "Mm,
1: I think (laughs) it still belongs to you. Can you go get it out? And you were like, no, once it's in the bank, it belongs to the government. And I was like, no, that's not That's not actually how that works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, there has been so much. I mean, like money, it really is like, it's a little bit of like the white whale for Mm -hmm. me. It really is. It's like also like this idea of it's just virtuous not to have money Mm -hmm. and it's virtue, you know, like what's really crazy is I was
1: raised with that idea, even though my family has money, like people will contort themselves into any kind of, it's like, it's virtuous to not want to make money, which is quite easy. If somebody left you a lot of money, then you don't have to worry about it, right? It's like... (laughs)
0: Yeah. I think there was also something too, when, when I, I I think it was, I like, it was something about gardening. It was something about how like just doing things Mm -hmm. the kind of like old fashioned way. My brain was like, well, obviously there's more virtue in growing, like in growing your beets than in getting Oh yeah. Remember when you moved to California
1: and you were like, you can't trust the state. They have raspberries in winter.
0: Listen, it was strawberries <laughs> and I really burst into tears when I saw them in the farmer's market in September. I was just like, There well, I think what I said to my then boyfriend at the time was there's too much abundance here. Yeah. Like, I believe that's what you texted me also. Yeah. There's too much. And, and it was like, it was something worth crying about. Like I was not right. excited about, cause I was like, well, when you have, how can you ever celebrate strawberries if you have them all the time? You can just eat them in September. You're supposed to have like a limited period of the time in June where you have strawberries and then you have your strawberry festivals and your strawberry shortcake, and that's when you make all the strawberry stuff. <laughs> Sorry. And that's got, how you enjoy it for the rest on of the strawberry year. Strawberry festivals, which I didn't know was a thing. You haven't been to a strawberry festival?
1: I don't But I think that's such a it's so interesting, right? Like there is some old wisdom in the idea of like things having a season, right? And mm-hmm. it's like you do enjoy things more in some ways when you don't have constant access to them, but at the same time, like like, I think that's what happens with an unmanaged mind, yeah. right? I think, like, with a managed mind or whatever you want to call it, like, we can learn to practice. I think Susan Hyatt calls it, like, staying in the miracle, right? Like, can live in a place where there are strawberries all year round and, like, enjoy that on purpose, right? Like, decide to enjoy strawberries on purpose all year round. I was just thinking I have something else when you were talking, but now it's gone. We've something taught about, each other so much. about Puritanism so much. All right.
0: Any parting words? <sighs> Hurting words. I really like the idea that just having someone that you can like take your entire brain to mm-hmm. and whether that is your best friend or a coach or just whomever, it's so important just to be, like, I feel like that's what we have, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, here's all of it. Like I, there's nothing I think really that you and I hold back, including about each other, mm-hmm. including about our relationships.
1: Yeah. And I think we also both show up taking full emotional responsibility, right? So it's like we can share anything because I know that if I'm like, well, my brain told me that you think this, I, do, I know that like you, you know that it's my brain and I know it's my brain. Yeah. So there isn't going to be any weirdness about it. Yeah. I think that. And then I think just for me also, like it's been such a, especially when I started this work, I was so hung up on like dating and romantic relationships and like thinking about a romantic soulmate. And then like this work was like, you get a platonics. Like we joke all the time that we're in a thruple, and her husband just has, he just is like on board because he knows he doesn't have any choice. Like, it's just like, this is what's happening. And if I, like my next life partner, I'm sure will be like, all right, it's a quadruple, but listen, really, it's just, you guys are on the periphery here. So I think there's like, it's like something about that, that I think women are always so encouraged to prioritize like their relationship with men and the romantic relationship in their lives. And, and then like the celebration of female friendship is often put as if it has to be in opposition to that, right? Like sort of like, well, but I, I think like what I love about our, <laughs> about our throuple is that you are, <laughs> it's not a real throuple for anyone who's concerned. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just him understanding that we have to be able to text whenever we want. It's like that abundance thing. It's like there's room for it all, right? Especially because you are someone, I think, who's always just been like, well, I have my partner and then like that's kind of it. And then like I have some friends sort of over there and I think, I mean, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I feel like I'm maybe the first person, the first friend you've had that has been like this integrated into your life or like this.
0: Certainly the first, most persistent one. (laughs) How Rachel feels better about the fact that I
1: went to Harvard is that I had to stalk her to be my friend.
0: <laughs> no, but really I think you're like when are we seeing each other? When are we making plans? When are we like there's so much that I think I just I just have this habit of like keeping people at arm's length. Yeah, so I do think it is the most integrated. Also, I will say on my birthday, my husband was like Oh, my flowers are going to be late. And of course, Kara's flowers are here. And then there was a present the next day from Kara. And he's like, My flowers still haven't arrived. <laughs> his flowers didn't come that day? Oh my no, they God. Two, they were two days late. Yeah, on it. Ridiculous. They were two days late. There was like a hurricane, I think.
1: What? There was a I hurricane. Mean, Mine still got there. I mean, I know. He needs to step up his game. But- <laughs> But I also think that's such a good example. I've been thinking about this too. Is like with you, I didn't ever worry about. I was like, yes, I'm going to teach you how to have friends. We're doing this. Like it's happening. <laughs> like, I didn't have any like thoughts of like maybe she doesn't really like me or maybe whatever. Maybe like the first three days at training. But I think when I think about that, like what if we? I'm not saying you should. I wouldn't have stuck to you if there was like no indication you were interested in being friends. Like I don't think we should do that to people or goals that we. But like, what if? I was that confident in all the other things that I go after, right? Where I was just yeah. like, no, this is happening. Let me like explain to you how it's happening <laughs> and why you might as well get on board. <laughs> <laughs> just so you guys know, now she texts me and FaceTimes me all the time. So. All the time. All the time. All the time. Because I got to brag. Yeah, we got to brag. All right. Thank you for chatting with me.
0: Yeah. I miss thank you. you. I'm sure I'll talk to you 12 more times today. I know. I know. I was like, I miss you, but we will just share all our We'll love. just have our little personal time. It's just like text and Slack. And FaceTime and Marco Polo. Like all of the channels. <laughs> it's happening at all. Never get channels. enough. All right.
1: Goodbye my chickens. Thanks for Bye. listening. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things on Fuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. It's where you can learn new coaching tools, not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens, just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about The Clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash The Clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.